Kia ora everybody, what's up? It is Robert and I am joined by um, a corporate pirate, an aggressive savage of brain intellectual gnarliness. That is Mr. Rod Snodgrass. How are you, Snoddy? How are you, mate? Good. I, before we start flexing, let's let's see your t-shirt. Let's see it. Let's see it. Get it up there. It's too hot to wear, bro, but... <laughs> so good. Uh, for those who haven't had the um, pleasure or curse or, or been in your vicinity when you just throw the flipping intellectual hammer on business and all sorts, um, for those that don't know, give the quick one-minute spiel, I guess, you know, um, extra young buck, tech, spark, all the rest of it. Give me give me the quick little uh, the quick little rundown. Well, you just did it, I think. Uh, sort of corporate dude, way back, I guess. Um, you know, got my first real break with extra, then had a lot of jobs at Spark. My last one there was... Um, setting up Spark Ventures, which was good fun, you know, skinny and, and lightbox and all of those things and left the corporate world sort of three, four years ago. And these days I mainly do a whole bunch of different boards, um, do a lot of startup work and investing and mentoring and a little bit of consultancy around the side, uh, mainly around the whole area of exponential organisations and how we can accelerate um, legacy companies and new companies using these new methodologies that are coming out of um, singularity and such like. Well, for those in the tech space, they would know extra. Now, were you, you were Sarah, was it 24? Were you 24, 26? How old are you? No, sort of GM, more like, I think I was about 28 or something, yeah. Young buck running the extra game with the purple CDs, just making it rain <laughs> all over New Zealand. Um, yeah. So, I've been wanting to, um, obviously, had a young for you a little bit, and it's, it's ready to jump up. You, I'll, I will give you this credit off the bat. You're the first guest that has prepared notes with things that you would like to talk about. I don't even have really notes. I'm just talking shit for now. And you've you've got like, you've you've gone into it. And I think the topic. I'll just read it out. Hello, Rebet. I hope you're having a great day. Now you didn't say that. You said, "Oi, dickhead." This is what I want you to talk about. It says uh, the topic I would like you to cover is how different will it be on the other side and the opportunity amongst the adversity. So before you get into it, why'd you pick that? Because obviously there's a whole bunch that's happening. In terms of the, the medical waves, the financial waves, the community waves, these other opportunities, there's all these kind of big moving parts. Why did you want to go the difference of the other side at a kickoff point, just for context? Well, look, I think um, the, the reason I wanted to do that is because, you know, when you get hit by, um, you know, it's, it is a catastrophe, things like this, everyone immediately goes into lockdown and, and survival mode, which is the right thing to do. And if you're a business that's, you know, cash is king right now. But, um, you know, through all of these, these adversities, there is always opportunity on the other side. And I just wanted to give a bit of a perspective about thinking, um, you know, the classic zoom out, then zoom in, look for where the opportunity is, because there will be opportunity here. It's not going to be for everyone, unfortunately, but for many businesses, whether you're a startup or an incumbent, this is a, this is a chance to, I guess, uh, first of all, reset, then reimagine, then reinvent and, you know, wait for the recovery and the rebound. And I, I wanted to talk a little about that because we are already seeing some changes in behaviour. Um, I think some some of it is a step change, and will you know this this is this will be a catalyst for many different technologies and consumer behaviours. So there's and there's opportunity there for those who wish to take it. So I wanted to talk more about the upside than the downside. I guess. What were those? You just said the three three R's right there. What do you what do you were those three R's you just said? Well, I, I think at at a, at a macro level, what what every business or person's facing here is first of all, you know, the survival instinct. Um, you know, and for businesses, that's cash. Um, and preserving cash and your ability to, to stay alive and then and then it's thrive on the other side. And so when I think about this, you know, if you're looking at it from an opportunistic perspective, you know, sort of stage ones really take this as a chance to reset, 
um, and then during that, and these aren't these are somewhat sequential, but then reimagine how your business might be um, looking at areas of opportunity and, and um, different macro trends that are emerging, whether they be consumer trends or um, government government interventions or changes in technology. Um, so you know, reimagine and then reset, and there will be a recovery when that is. You know, nobody knows at this point, and there's lots of discussions around is it, is it, is it a V shape or a U shape or an L. Um, you know, there'll be a recovery. So really, you know, taking the opportunity to, to reconfigure your business model for that, um, or maybe reconfigure yourself personally through through getting online learning or what have you. So, mm. um, you know, because fortune favors the brave. And I think this is this is a time for people to be sensible but be brave. Yeah, the, I, I like those the stages of it. The the reset bit is really really interesting off the bat. Like I was talking to um, we had Cameron George on earlier today, CEO of, from the Vodafone Warriors, and he was saying, you know, if there was the one thing from it, it would have been better planning coming b before like a rollout like this. Obviously, you know, the bigger companies have um, these plans that they put into put into place, but now he's doing the reset mode of you know well what does that future thing like what does it look like when it goes from four to three three to two two to one and then and then go and for all these different businesses and business owners right now that are stuck at home they're almost at a forced physical reset for them to think a bit more strategically about where they're at where they're potentially going so in many ways this is this might be yes it is definitely hurting a lot of businesses but in in many cases i'm sure this forced um uh, isolation sort of time might be giving them some great creative freedom or, or mental bandwidth to, to probably approach their businesses differently. Do you see, do you see that as it's, it's almost a weird kind of blessing and opportunity for some as how you think of it, right? Oh, well, one hundred percent. You know, you could be a little bit trite here, and should I will be. Um, you know, a lot of businesses are now having to do their meetings through, uh, you know, remotely through using Zoom or, or Microsoft Teams or what have you. I've never done so many Zoom meetings, so I've probably been busier than normal, but way more productive because you're on the meeting for, let's say, an hour. Um, and particularly for people like me who are not great at concentrating, it's um, you t tend to have to focus because you're watching the body language on the screen, which is probably a bit harder than doing yeah, it in a room. Yeah, yeah, and your ability, your ability to dick around on the internet while you're sitting in a meeting is a lot harder unless you've got multiple screens running, which I, which I do have at the moment. Um, so, you know, you, you've got you've got these changes in behaviours where you've got, um, in some of the boards I'm on, where the people are generally older than me and probably not as um, immersed in tech. So, and all of a sudden they've had this jump shift and using technologies like Zoom and they're having those uber moments when you go off. Shit, why didn't we do this before? Or, you know, you don't have to travel in a car, you, you know, spend those hours in traffic, finding a car park, all of that. You're straight into the meeting with a few minutes, um, you know, warning beforehand and very productive and you can share presentations, what have you. So I think from a business point of view, there'll be a lot of people rethinking the models going, well, that's, that's a lot more productive. And for knowledge workers particularly, we can spend more time remote working, working from home. Um, you, you can use the time more productively, which means you've got more spare time. You know, arguably, you need less people. Um, you need smaller buildings, so you know there could be um, knock-on effects to commercial real estate. But your, your ability to, to reconfigure your business model around just the ways of working is one of them. And then there's all sorts of other trends happening. Like I, I look at um, you, know, you know my mother, who's now having to do online grocery shopping and hasn't really done it before, and they have those moments they go, "Why haven't I done this before? So much easier." Mm. Um, sort of said and forget. You've got. So telepresence, telemedicine, um, a lot more people doing things digitally that have always been available, but I've never, um, I guess, had the need until now. And all of a sudden, they've realised just how much 
or how how much less friction there is in some of these online models to move to them. And I'm not saying this is all about digital and social media and what have you, but there's, you know, you'll get some jump shifts in models. One of the businesses on a startup on them is we're in, we're in the e-commerce space, you know, we trade globally. Um, we haven't really seen, we've seen a reduction clearly, but not the massive reduction I've seen in other more traditional businesses. So I think there'll be some jump shifts here in, in a whole lot of areas. So like people will be thinking also about um, more localized production. Yep. Um, things like solar panels, like, and, and you know, the, pro, the, the price performance is already improving, but having more um, resiliency and, and powering yourself puts, you know, you don't have to rely on others so much. So I think you're going to see a lot of uh, technology adoption accelerate through this period, both in terms of the raw technology, but also the business models around them. Um, so for many businesses, that's an opportunity, and clearly for some incumbent players, it's a threat. But it's uh, it, it will be interesting on the other side, um, and, and demand will turn up again. You know, these industries that have been hit the hardest, um, you know, travel on in a, in a board in that space, it, it just it's being um, soul destroying in, in in some aspects. You know, retail services. A lot of these businesses, um, hospitality, that, but they will bounce back because as soon as we're all allowed to move around again safely, people will want to be around other humans and, and do those things. But some of those businesses may not survive this, unfortunately. So you'll have attackers come in with new models that are uh, more mm. digital, lower cost. So that's, um, you know, it's it's pretty interesting thing about this. We'll spend a lot of time thinking about is where will the attacks come from? Um, yeah, and, I was, yeah, that's exactly yeah. the... so. I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine yes, uh, not too long ago, and I was saying, if you could go back and see the the waves of big buckets of opportunity that existed after the 07, 08 um, global financial crisis, and you saw these momentum shifts with human behavior and technology adoption and um, and physical sh shift and all these different things that, that kind of affected uh, humanity, being able to be in those right spots, if you could just stop for a second and actually just look one more step ahead instead of just that next thing of like, holy shit, my, my life's in lockdown, actually be like, huh, what's that next wave? Where's that next opportunity? And so I've been kind of looking at that as, as well. Like right now, on the backside of this, what where do you think are some, we'll get through your, um, your questions and bits and pieces in a bit, but where do you think it's going to be some potential sweet spots in the New Zealand ecosystem, either for, for each other on a localized level or potentially world going global? Where do you think there's going to be some, some interesting opportunities in terms of commerce at the end of this thing? Well, I think in the in the industries that have been hit really hard, um, you know, there'll be interesting opportunities there and obviously threats as well. But so, you know, you've got tourism and retail and, and hospitality, probably some of the bigger ones. Um, there'll be secondary impacts clearly on, on, on the property market, whether that's commercial or residential. So, you know, opportunities just the other side of threat. So it's, it's you know, you, you can adopt different mindsets to think about that. And then you've got these sort of macro trends that are, that are occurring as well, offering, I think, a real opportunity. So things like um, telehealth or tele, te, telemedicine, you know, um, providing those sorts of services remotely. Um, E-learning is quite fascinating now, you know, with students not being able to go to school universities. And there's already some great platforms out there, you know, Coursera, Udemy, Stanford runs some some free stuff too. So you can, you can see these, um, I guess, spaces being made for solutions that are already there, but the need has never been felt uh, as much mm. as it will be. So, you know, sort of a parting of the seas in some ways. So you, some of these platforms are out, out there, whether it be a Crimson or something like that uh, in the learning space. Um, you know, there's tons of tele, telehealth and telemedicine 
platforms that but the use cases are now becoming more apparent to um sort of let's call it the majority whereas before it was the early minority um yep. adopting this platform so i think all we all we're potentially going to see in certain industries is an acceleration in the in the in the um that exponential take-up curve that you get with these technologies so well it's just pushing the mass market further towards the inflection point yes so exactly on that we're talking to um clive omar of the ceo at les mills yesterday and he was saying with this hit the strategy didn't change one bit at all um or we've got a phone call mate unless if it's jacinda you can answer it if it's anyone else stuff them no Bindi, so she'll probably be oh that, no answer for bins i'll, I'll be on hold. i can talk shit. give me I'll, uh, no, that's right, to, mate. That's all right. Uh, give her a quick I'll little sneaky text back um <laughs> yeah it's it's really it's kind of like a crazy just pause moment for everyone with it right You've got, yep. You said in, in the email, so you said, uh, this is a crisis where danger and opportunity intersect. How so? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, take Clive. You know, I know Clive quite well because he was at Spark before he went off to Les Mills because, um, you know, fitness and health is his passion. I was actually talking to him the other day just on just on text saying this is really a moment for them to really drive their online learning platforms because exactly. they've got a lot of IP in this space. Uh, you know, they've got the programs and, and all, all the processes and really this is an opportunity where people are looking um, to continue to keep you know, fit and well using things. I mean, one of my biggest regrets is I'm down in Wangamatara and I didn't have my training bike down here to do Zwift um, because that's really accelerated. A lot of the guys I ride with in an analog sense on the road, which you know you can't do in groups anymore, are now meeting up on Zwift and training on that. So um, that platform's been there for a while, but it's really accelerated in terms of people getting on there and using it. You know, it's, Clive has exactly the same opportunity at Les Mills, really, where they've got a a global brand and a, and a platform and all of those disciplines and programs and you can really start using exponential technologies now in terms of um you know uh, expanding those through whether you're using community and crowd or engagement models um to drive that because it's the classic thing they talk about in exponential orgs is you, you you've got no heavy assets so you're highly leveraged which is great uh, stuff on demand so you don't need to employ people in the traditional sense you can contract them and onto the platform um, almost as affiliates, uh, which is a much easier model to use. You can um, spread that through social and digital marketing, which is you know highly viral and has a much lower cost of acquisition than traditional channels. So there's all these opportunities for businesses like Clive's where he can take his analog model and now hyperscale it through digital um, means. That's exactly, and it's exactly what we're saying here. We're saying the. Um, the strategy hasn't changed one sec it's just amplified and sped it up and i was saying you know it's basically a three-year game plan that's been pushed into to threes and I, I look at um you know law or banking or accounting these other all these other different industries where i'm wondering if brave leadership is going to use the vehicle of um uh, covid19 to actually be able to like escalate a whole bunch of brave thinking that they wanted to do to speed up not necessarily out of uh, defense but actually going on the offense for in some ways actually defense to, for, for survival and what's next do you, what what industries right now do you think could most should embrace this type of thinking the most right now in new zealand to help either save their business save their employees or potentially future proof for the future and actually get through on the other side but on an upswing are the ones who have been hit the hardest. I mean, it's no regrets. You know, you, you're in a, you're in a, uh, I guess, a su survival mode in the near term. But you know, the, the industries who tend to have been hit the hardest are um, those industries where um, people w will return. People will want to travel again, and, and, and tourism. They will want to eat out in restaurants. They will want to go get their hair done. They will want to go to the gym. So those industries are 
obviously going to struggle through this because the tap's being turned off. But when the volume comes back, um, there's a real opportunity through this period to rethink your business model, right-size it, reset it, all, you know, all of those rewords I use, but I would call it reimagine it, um, where you can take costs out that aren't adding value to your long-term business model, take them out, um, where you can create more of a platform and use digital assets, use those assets, um, where you can have a different, um, I don't want to use the word employee, but a different um, relationship model with people who you know sell or do your product, take the opportunity to do that. Um, so that's why I, I see the opportunity. I mean, the, some of the more startup growth businesses I'm in have absolutely taken this as an opportunity to quickly revisit the cost structure, um, interrogate their marketing, um, and some of them have already turned it back up, interrogate their marketing where they were spending it, um, you know, look at, Look at your staff models and and which 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 ones are re really adding value for the longer term. Think about things like: Do you really want to have a physical presence? Um, you know, on the other side of this, because that's a fixed cost that you can you can tend to avoid. So that's uh, I, it's, it's an issue, one, Rebecca, because um, uh, you know the threat and the opportunity are just different sides of the same coin. Yeah, here. it's the it's the the attitude it's, approach. It's a it. mindset. You know, this is a mindset game we're going into here. Easy for me to say, but um, you know, if you can if you can see the way through the survival stage, and you know, you I think you really need to be thinking about wh where are all the opportunities to create more upside when the rebound yep. occurs. So you come out, you know, save your cash now and re reposition, reset your business, and and all of that, um, and have a good interrogation of the opportunity and, and read a lot of stuff and get out there because we I think in many ways we'll have a well, most of us have a little bit more time because we're not out there commuting or. Yeah, well, many that unless you've got you know small kids running around and cats and dogs jumping over you and not you know space. Uh, Tim uh, Gudsall says nice hat. Oh, yeah, and some props on the hat. Okay, Tim. Got um, we've we've also <laughs> got a, a, a first uh, troll of the day, and it was actually for me, not you. It says uh, I've unsubscribed and defriended, and you are still popping up on my feed. Please stop. <laughs> Who's that? Me or you? No, to me. To me. <laughs> oh. Uh, well, it wasn't me, mate, because you didn't see my hands, mate. No, it was. You know, I, I won't say who it is. We'll, we'll leave them to it. But, um, uh, old mate, just to let you know, this isn't actually about you. This is trying to uh, leverage my Rolodex to get good IP and thinking to the rest of the network that can actually help New Zealand businesses try and get through this thing a little bit better. So, um, I care this much about what you think. Couldn't give a shit. It's not about you, mate. It's about everyone else. Um, okay. Question: oh, We could. I love how you've structured this so well. Like this is you would literally just make it. This isn't even a job for this. Is okay, uh, Rod. How different will it be on the other side? Question. Mark. <laughs> well, that's a good question, mate. <laughs> I think um, you need a quick drinker beer. Have a quick one. <laughs> look, it will be different. Um, I think there's no doubt about that. And I guess the longer we're in this, the more different it will be because it gives people more time to. Uh, try these new things, adopt these new technologies, try these new ways of working. So I think the longer we're in it, or the, the harder we're in, the longer we're in it, the more it will change behaviours for the longer term. So, and I think people personally will review a lot of um, things they're doing and how they go about things because one thing this will teach you is, um, you know, there's only a few things you have in life. You have your you have your health and wellness, and you have time. So you know, try and stay fit and healthy, and use your time wisely. So I suspect a lot of people will also be reimagining their careers and, and what they want to do next and, yeah. and how, how they want to be. And even how they want to work, where they want to, what they want to do with their headspaces. Like I think, yeah, it, it's a lot more, it feels like people are going to get a lot more, 
soulful's not the right word, but a, a lot more um, maybe balanced with where they think their happiness could be. They might start thinking about yeah, reimagining. I think that's a right, that's a nice word for it actually. Yeah, reimagining what that what that future could look like. Because I'm imagining for many it could be as simple as you know for 20 years if they get up, they get in two hours worth of Auckland traffic, or if they, if you're in Auckland, if you are there, um, doing something nine to five, boom, boom, and all of a sudden it's like no traffic. I've saved two hours. Holy shit! I took the dogs for a, dog for a walk. Ah, oh, I don't have um, that stress. I don't need to you know maybe dress up as much i can still you know do whatever i can have more time to myself i can maybe i'm more effective without a bunch of people around you know i, I think it's gonna i think that, i like that word reimagine yeah it's a great great you no know, i've just spent next years working in a big job for the company that's now disappeared so all of my efforts amounted to nothing and that time's gone now so you hmm. know it's, it's, a, it's a good i think it's a good time to just um get some personal perspective whatever that may be um the one here you're saying is what things are likely to change e.g consumer behaviors industry society business business models before you i guess answer that one of the things i was i've been wondering is how much of this change integration that they've been forced into them with the use of technologies to create efficiency in the business or being able to have teams communicate and keep commerce rolling even if you're a you know a, a big billion dollar public listed company is after you're back into how it was, I say old. Let's maybe say old world. Let's say old pre 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 um, pre Corona. How much of the new shit will actually make its way back in? How much stuff will actually change? And and you know that the 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 organizational structure of how these businesses operate. I'm I'm wondering how much will get stay to the future, or how much will go go back? What's your sort of yeah? Look, with, I, like, think? I guess guess we're all guessing here, but just just on what I've been observing, you know. Um, ways of working will definitely change i think it'll change at different paces um what's interesting is the boards that i'm on because you meet with boards you meet less frequency yet you know than you would as an executive team for example you have fairly set agendas you have papers and all that done so your ability to do that remotely through the likes of zoom and microsoft teams is actually quite high and people are learning that quite quickly so i think you might see so rather than having to jump on planes or turn up in auckland or wellington to do a board meeting i, I think um some boards will quickly learn, geez, it's, it's a lot more efficient and lower cost to just use technology. Executives uh, meetings, you know, big companies like ones I used to work for, maybe a little harder because you do need more time together because um, you're more, more on management than governance. Um, but, you know, I've had two or three meetings today with some of the startups. We've all been in different locations, um, you know, sharing presentations online. It worked just fine. Um, so I think I think you will see some some um, behaviours in bed faster, um, but at different paces and different use cases, and then that's that's from a uh, I guess a, a business point of view. Then in terms of consumers, uh, what's what's going to be interesting here I think is really the baby boomers who all of a sudden are getting a crash course in online. In a way that, and how old is a baby boomer? Is that fifty to sixty five? Is that kind of the uh, they're just a little slightly older than me because uh, I'm an ex, so they must be about 55, I think, mate. Okay, but, I'll go um, 55 to 70. Is that, yeah, is right? yeah. I mean, someone can answer it. Yeah, so okay. you know, a lot of a lot of them, you know, a lot of them are tech savvy anyway, but they're getting um, a bit of a crash course and you know, buying things online and, and, and mm. all of that stuff. So you know that um, you might see this whole Uber Eats thing, which. Uh, can't say I'm a huge fan of for, for general humanity, but um, you may see this accelerate in, in, in the future when people can deliver again and online shopping for groceries and medicines and, and all of these things. People realize it's a whole lot easier to push a button and send and forget. Saving time. Yeah. Saving time, saving money. Um, and, and, you know, people will work out that time's more valuable than money. Um, 
so you know save your time and, and get it done that way so I, I can see a lot of opportunity in supply chain management e-commerce retailing to to accelerate this this sort of stuff and you know as you would have seen been watching the stock markets amazon initially had a dip but they've bounced back quite quickly because i think people have seen that um this this is all good for a company like amazon um a lot of those other companies like zoom hubspot you know shopify are all performing relatively well compared to um, more traditional sectors so and the markets are pretty smart right so they're reading these macro trends and placing their bets and i sort of watch them on a on a hatch account just and, and you can see a lot of those tech stocks in that, let's call it e-commerce arena, e-marketing, all that, are bouncing back relatively quickly. Now, what yeah. happens in the US with public policy may change that in time, but um, we shall see. Uh, Mike Brunel says, yep, 55 plus for that. And then uh, John has got a question for you. He says, I wonder if Rod could comment on his view of if and how current crisis has reminded us of both our global interconnectedness and the value of local community and what this means for how we might reimagine business and business models, etc. That is from John Campbell, founder and CEO of Our Energy Limited. Good question, oh, John. Good day, mate. Um, look, I think there's sort of two sides to that. You know, there, there's this high level of global connectedness that, um, and I think in general connectivity terms in e-commerce, as I talked about before, will accelerate. Um, the second you know that so that will continue um but i think th the way people have those relationships may change there'll be some nuances there and john's second point was really interesting and, and you know one of the trends that singularity have picked up is sort of the shift shift back to more um local supply local production local manufacturing so you've got less reliance on global supply chains and also i guess um, more more resilience within your national systems um, and i know john's been hot on this for some time around energy and particularly community mm -hmm. services so you know, the whole thing around the likes of having um, more solar penetration over time. I mean, California's already been onto this. I think every house that's built in California from this year has to have solar. Um, so there's much less of a reliance on sort of linear supply models and single source of supply. So you've got uh, less risk in your, let's call it your supply chain. Um, so I, I think John's question is is a good one it's probably more of a point to be honest is no, no, okay. I, think we, totally I think we'll see more of a shift back to local um how that turns up i don't know because you know whether you've got you know if you're producing out of china people do that because of cost advantages but then is cost the key measure going forward it must it might be more around supporting local communities sustainability less reliance on global i think you you, you will generally see a shift away, which we've already been seeing, right, with the US and other countries, a little away from global, the global economy and more to local domestic. Re local resilience in terms of commerce. That's right, and, um, and less reliance on global systems. And, and you know, looking after your whanau, closer to home. Yeah. Uh, Ihaka Ronganui says, great chat, guys. Um, weapon, yeah, it's been... Yeah, just just the angles of how you're taking it. Obviously, within your ecosystem and your world, you've got to see it. You, you get to see on a daily basis a bunch of different verticals. You're obviously reading, you're, you're consuming it. And so at a more of a macro level, it's just interesting to see where you see these kind of opportunities and the way culture and community is going to shift and change. And I would agree with that. I mean, even Sam Stubbs was talking about yesterday, CEO of um, Simplicity was talking about the idea that um, – when they, their fund obviously starts to get bigger and they start owning and buying locally, their own hospitals and their own, you know, railways or whatever it may be, they can see it, feel it, touch it, and it becomes a lot more 
of I guess like a I don't know if it's a wholesome investment, but maybe it's more either tangible and or it gets the heartstrings a little or whatever it may be. But in exactly to the moment like this, if we've got you know say potential immigration block lockdowns and import export whatever, and the, if there is local resilience, that's actually going to be quite a um, amazing little safeguard to to be able to um, roll in and ex exist. I think it's really interesting. Yeah, I think well you know I, I love what Sam's doing. It's great to see you. Poacher turned gamekeeper. Um, <laughs> no, it's a, it's yeah. a, he's a changed man. I've, I've heard. Yeah, the yeah. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> you know, I, I love what simplicity is doing. I basically agree with most of the things he says. So, um, I think I think what people are doing here is they're reevaluating re the concept of value. And you know, we've been brought up through this whole consumerism age that you know value is is the mighty dollar. You know, at particularly the US, but people are rethinking that now. And um, I would hope that people start to value time. And connectiveness higher than money. Uh, easy for me to say, but being an ex corporate guy, but I think um, people will reevaluate what what value is uh, in terms of more human values than mm. dollar values. So, uh, and that'll that'll resonate at lots of different levels, whether it be at a national level or a community level, or even within businesses. You know, we've already been moving there with you know three hundred and sixty reporting and. Um, you know, um, corporate social responsibility and the triple bottom line. So this has been happening for a while, and it's just I think it'll be another one of those things that accelerates because um, no one picked this as a risk, did they, in their corporate governance risk? <laughs> I'm sure somewhere there's a there's a there's a thing for it. I imagine uh, uh, Jason Parisi of uh, Vodafone was saying, you know, he was fortunate enough to be on all the CEO calls with all the other different CEOs as these things have been rolling out, and just the the internal real-time learnings of how each different country because everyone's at these different timings i'm sure that that openness has actually been able to help speed up so much of the different processes and systems which they were probably putting into place to try and navigate to a better situation faster i'm sure yeah i mean jp would be a good one to talk to about this obviously because with the vote particularly before um you know they became a separate company from the group and he'd, he'd have a good perspective uh and i think what what's interesting here too is you've you know, there's, a, I guess, a bit of an um, obligation on a lot of these, these CEOs to, to, to work more collaboratively, horizontally through this period because we've got a different common enemy now rather than meeting in the marketplace. You've got to save the marketplace. What does horizontally um, mean? What do you mean, work horizontally? Well, working, working across with each other rather than competing. Um, you know, you've, seen, yeah. you've seen lots of collaboration between, you know, Spark and Vodafone even. Yeah, um, unlimited data, yeah. Yeah, in the last few weeks. Um yeah, whereas you've seen some other companies um, still slavishly trying to sell product through your LinkedIn feed, which sort of pisses me off a bit. You know, trying to sell me things I really don't need right now. Um, I can, yeah. I can have a, I've flipping predicted that flipping wave of shit that's been coming in. I've been seeing it. it's been pissing me off. It's yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's and all me. those emails have slowed down now, but all these emails we were getting previously from every company under the sun telling you about what what they were doing. In relation to this, like, like I gave a yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of those, even from like, like Marriott hotels I've stayed at, or some all this other shit. It's like we don't yeah. care what the what like. Yeah, but so, you, you know uh, what it is interesting though, and it opens up a good point. Matt Stenton from uh, Go with Tourism was talking about this is a mad opportunity where certain leaders and businesses are, are trying to publicly flex externally to show how they their brand compared to their competitors are doing it it's not so much that it's necessarily not that the intent's off but there's this hint and tinge of like yeah well we're 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 reacting better than our competitors and it's it's becoming not a bit of a flipping like good duty good duty flipping dick off between these different corporates but there's definitely some of the emails i've been seeing just reading it it's like piss off like there's it's not yeah. 
It's ugh. And I, I, I think um, it's, it's sad, really, because anyone with half a brain sees straight through that, and, and, and people will remember who, who behaved authentically through this period and who continued to behave like a you know out there trying to make make a buck when people are actually are trying to stay alive and keep their businesses going so it's going to i think it'll it'll separate the good the good companies with real values and real authenticity and their brands from the bad and that will be interesting and um some companies that i think have behaved really really well and really authentically and openly um and are focusing on their on their customers and their people rather than their um their profit and loss statement um not to say they shouldn't be looking at their profit and loss because ultimately yeah. they need that to pay their staff and stay in business. But there's been quite, I'd say, um, polarized behavior by some entities. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's called um, in the streets, they call it clout chasing. So this is like corporate clout chasing on social. Um, Andrew, Andrew, oh no, Andrew says, Andrew Thornwin says, uh, corporate posturing. There you go, corporate posturing. Um, yeah. Look, the, I, I think it's pretty simple. The reality is your your staff and employees can see how you're actually leading because it's going to be transparent and, and you can't hide anything through this type of stuff because the CEO is going to be there at home doing whatever, having to talk and, and deal with it. Um, Alan Hux, managing uh, partner manager at Henry, says, uh, is job security going to replace with income security by doing lots of different jobs in a portfolio type career? I think ultimately, yes, um, and it'll happen in, in sort of different um, job domains. Quite, different. I mean, I'm, I'm a sort of a portfolio guy now and because I was lucky enough to get through that corporate life. But I, I think the concept of a job for life went a long time ago. And, um, you know, certainly these models have been emerging with, you know, freelancing you know, and companies like, you know, Fiverr and Freelancer. And we've got oh, gig, gig economy shit, yeah. Yeah, we've got the one in New Zealand now, Team.ai, who have just put out scale, um, you know, to match talent with problems. So I think the whole, uh, let's call it employment model, has been changing for some time, and this will accelerate it because, the, um, you know, as you move to this whole exponential um, type of model, gig economy, people want a much more variableized um, cost structure and business model. It gives you more opportunity to flex, and, and that means having less... Um, large numbers of permanent staff, less fixed assets, be it premises and all, all, all of the above. So this whole concept of um, how we, we, well, I was brought up, not you, of, you know, you, you get a job and you're super loyal to, uh, that's, that's gone. Um, hmm. You know, people have problems they need solved and then you apply talent against them to solve them and new, new contracts will emerge. And I think um, his question say around- that, Say that again, people, what did you just say? That was real good. Well, ultimately, businesses have problems to solve and, and you need people to solve them. It doesn't mean you need to hire those people. Um, so, you know, that's it, as you go forward in a business, generally, it's a, it's an exercise of problem solving and, mm. and you hire different types of people to solve those problems. Obviously, you've got people who need to run things and keep them going, but um, the world is speeding up. So it's much more about who can solve the biggest problems the fastest. So yeah. the, um, the whole concept of portfolio is absolutely right. And, you know, in and around that too, this whole... Um, universal right to a basic income, I think, will reemerge as well. Go. Let's you know, talk about that because that was that was a point number four point two of the um, <laughs> the document which has been sent through. No, uh, it is saying, uh, yeah, universal basic income, the right to an income, and uh, I think Sam was talking about some of this. Who was saying, you know, you either getting subsidies or, or the dollar again. This essentially that's a, a some type of form of it. What's your What's your take on this space and, and the idea about universal basic income in a scenario like this? Well, if you talk to the 25-year-old me, I would have been right against it because I was brought up to be a bit of a capitalist pig. But um, <laughs> oh, 
the old rod. Yeah, yeah, old rod. yeah. Well, no, the young, yeah, young rod. But look, I think um, in, in such changing times, you have we have to ensure the the broader population um, against the risk because you just you just don't know where it's coming from. So some people are always going to be at risk of losing their jobs and their um, their income. So it's not about handouts; it's about a hand up and I, I guess a safety net. Um, for people because things are changing so fast and, so, you know, I guess, the, you know, the, 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 the facts are out there. The older you get, you're, the, the, the less your ability to relearn. It, it does occur that way. So we, we are going to need to rethink, you know, the, the, the right to a basic income at some level. I, don't, I hate the word the unemployment benefit because it's not really about that. Um, it's really um, making sure that you've got a healthy society and everyone gets enough money to, to survive and then we have the right... Uh, learning systems in there. The stuff that Francis Valentine talks about a lot is we also yeah. need new new learning pathways because we're going to have to learn a lot more, a lot more frequently. I'm finding now I'm having to relearn quite a bit. And it's, and it's fun once you get into the rhythm of it all. So the concept of a three-year degree that will support you for life, that's gone. You know, I did my mm. degree in the late 80s. and I'm <laughs> a lawyer and an accountant. Did you get both? No, I did it, did economics and then accounting, and then I've done a few things since. But look, it's um, things are changing so fast. I mean, zero took care of my degree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's, so I think um, a lot more micro learning and learning on the job, and you'll see a swing back to the traditional apprenticeship model. Um, you know, skills based learning, and so and, and that'll come out of this as well. So I, I guess when you asked at the start of it, I would hope. That from this, that we don't just see the downside, we see the upside, and we take the opportunity through the middle to to take the resets where we can and reimagine what we should, and then um, when the when the recovery comes, you know, hopefully rebound and come out the other side um, in a better place, and also take the opportunity. I mean, you know, I'm making the most of it. I'm getting out cycling as much as I can with my social distancing, obviously. Yeah. Um, and you know, going for runs and stuff, and then taking the time to think and um, you know, essentially replatform yourself. Yep. Um, we've got a random one, but I'm going to go for it. Uh, Sussy three six four says, "Shout out to the Gma Edna, aka the Valentine here on her 78th birthday. Love you so much." Well, that's great, Sussy, but this is definitely not the place and 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 time for that. We're talking about Corona and the recession. But props to you if you're 78 and rocking through. You stay safe, Sussy. Don't send her shit. Stay away from her. You keep her safe. <laughs> Social distance your ass out of that situation. Anyway, thanks a lot for that. Uh, number five, uh, learning and loving to do the least, separating need from want. Is it the death of the attention economy? Or oh, go on. That's a that's a deep one. Well, Man, Rod, you know, you've put some thinking behind this. Well done, mate. Have a, have a sip of that kingfisher, which I see hiding below the thing, which you've been just slowly just getting warm over this time as you've just been spouting this this, this great s smart banter. Uh, well, look, is this you know, the death of the attention economy? You know, the last you know five ten years with, with the emergence of social media, you know, it, it has a lot of goods, but also has I think a lot of a lot of bad things, and you know, a, a lot of people out there have become quite absorbed in it and living for likes as they call it and they've shown that uh, for many young people getting a like or a response on social media um, gives more of a dopamine hit than LSD and that's a bad thing right um, you know, and, and they're showing pretty clear correlations to creating higher levels of depression and, and all these sorts of things and, and maybe this is a time where people can um, take the time to think about what's really important here um, you know as you see 
and particularly some of the businesses I, I, I'm associated with, you know, under severe pressure, having to lay people off, looking at all their lives, if it's um, you know, potentially going down the gurgler, and then th that gives you true perspective on rather than getting 10 freaking likes on a Facebook post that nobody really gives a shit about tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, that's, you know, this whole look at me, look at me thing, I, I think maybe people will start looking out a bit more again and going, wow, we can see that coming, so maybe we should look up a bit, you know. I think you've seen the wave of it happen in many ways with those who never really gave a shit about much of the other community, but now that they're stuck and they have to try and become relevant and virtual, you've seen this that huge wave of trying to attention grab and posturing, maybe corporate flexing or whatever the the corporate clout chasing to try and do it. I could, yeah. Well, people are. I mean, you can see. I mean, link link. Uh, Instagram took off the like feature and functionality in many places and they've been rolling that out. I think they've become very aware of it almost because, and I'm, and I'm wondering if it's this, that Instagram's got, it's old enough now where people who either work there have young kids and they're using it and they're watching their kids maybe behavior change and they don't maybe don't like what they see. So they come into work maybe with a bit more, um, bit more stuff. Uh, Jeff is what, Jeff is actually um, tuning in and he says, what role should, what should the role of government be post-COVID? And here's the Chief Digital Officer at Juicy. Jeff, if you're listening, there's a link which I put and I've tagged you in it. It says jump in. If you hit that, literally you can join the show with us right now and you can have a banter. Is, uh, so I didn't know Jeff was stalking us. So what was the question? What's the role of government post-COVID? Yeah, what should the role of government be post-COVID? Same, same as it's always been, just to help, help run the country, I think. I mean, I, I actually think... Um, the New Zealand government's doing a, doing a, doing a pretty good job. They've acted, I think, pretty quickly. Some people might say maybe not fast enough, but these these things are, are never easy to do. You have to there'd be a lot of work going on behind the scenes, setting policies, working out how they're going to actually do all of these things in terms of allocating funds and the rules and the processes. So I, I think the communication's being very clear and um, unambiguous. Yep. When you compare it to what's happening across the ditch there um, with, our, with, with the Australians, it looks like a bit of a mess, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I applaud the New Zealand government. Um, you know, I tend to vote for the blue guys generally, but um, but no. I, I, think, I think the PM and, 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 and that have responded really well. They've communicated very clearly and they've done it with, with humility and, and authenticity and probably setting a bit of a benchmark really globally. Yeah. Um, Michelle Dickinson was was talking to, talking about that with the timing of it. She was saying the exact same thing of you know, um, you know some people were giving them shit that they didn't go fast enough, and and she was saying well if they get the timing wrong and if they go too soon then people like stuff this and they revolt because they don't think anything's here. You do it too late and everyone's like stuff you, you should go sooner. People are going to die. It's just really um, the timing of how they've kind of attacked these things very fast and forceful in a public domain feels like it's been not only I guess um, accepted by the masses, but also kind of embraced to the point where, you know, people are kind of turning on, turn others if they're not um, social distancing and they are trying to be, you know, being bad boys and girls and they're not, not listening to the rules because that stuffs everyone up. So it feels like from what I can see looking at definitely against Australia to America to New Zealand, even just those three, it feels that as a collective, the community is, feels it's a lot more on the same page with its intent and its commitment to what needs to be done to get to the other side. That's what it feels like anyway, just from what I've seen. Yeah, look, I, 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 you don't hear a lot of negative stuff, but there's always negative people. It's it's a tough job, you know. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I think I think they've done a done a good job, and throwing rocks is, isn't going to help anyone. So I, I, you know, I think they've 
they've set good policy, they've, they've acted pretty quickly, they've communicated very clearly, and um, really it's up to the rest of us now to, to, to play by the rules and get out of this as fast as we can. Um, wider adoption of decentralized internet protocols and more intelligence at the edge generally. What's yeah, I think, just, there? I think just generally um, what we'll see here too, it goes to that earlier stuff we were talking about, about more localization, but in a technology sense, I think we will see this will help accelerate the whole intelligence at the edge, which is occurring anyway with the likes of, you know, drone technology, um, the Internet of Things, because it, it builds more resilience into a system and takes away single points of failure, um, which you have in more traditional systems where you've got, you know, a linear type supply chain or, um, as I said, single points of failure. So I think Again, this this concept of fast tracking innovation, this will again support um, you know decentralized systems, uh, much more intelligence at the edge, which gives you much more redundancy in terms of technology platforms and, and such like. So, how that how that manifests uh, is anyone's guess. But um, if you read the Singularity blogs and forums, they're already picking the top AI companies that will come out of this. You have to assume a lot of the things that were coming will be sped up now, um, and there's plenty yeah. of people's way smarter than us thinking about this yeah um just can't join us because he's been for a run rain check well jeff uh why are you going for a run i guess he's it's five o'clock it makes sense um scott hughes says uh, how do businesses that rely on lead generation and new business operate responsibly in this environment obviously the environment has changed drastically do these businesses pause or continue business albeit with flexibility from scott hughes oh good question um yeah, because sort of goes that one goes to value somewhat, doesn't it? Um, I think if you if you think you know generally if you've got a product or a service that people want to buy uh, and still want to buy, you should keep selling that and, and just think about your messaging during this phase. The one where it's a lot harder is where you've got people who are you know hunters more than farmers out there pushing hunters. Hunters, you know, they're, they're hard. They're pushing hard to sell something. You yeah, know, well, they look like dicks at the moment, and it's been it's become very. Yeah, so that's, visible. You know, that's where you're, you're pushing against a closed door and you really need to think about that because that becomes quite offensive when people just keep pushing something that you really, it's really obvious you don't want. Um, but, you know, these people are paid to do, you know, people do what they're paid to do. Um, hunters tend to be quite, as we used to say, coin operated. That's that's just the psyche of being a hunter. You, you, you chase the sale. Um, so I can see how that's going to be quite hard for people of that mindset because what you were once rewarded for, you're probably going to be penalised for now. Publicly, um, yep. That's right. So, you know, it's tough. I don't want to be a, be a preacher because, you know, we used to give these people big bonuses and sales kickers yep. for, for selling sales. So, you know, changing that behaviour and understanding that the macro environment and sentiments um, done a 180, you know, maybe some people haven't worked that out. I've still seen some rather large... US software companies peddling their latest wares through through LinkedIn feeds and you're going, Jesus, really? Yeah. Your New Zealand's announcing mass layoffs and you're announcing new software? Yeah. It's just the EQ. The yeah. EQ filter on many has has probably failed the failed the test for, for I've seen quite a few, not only personally, but um, I guess professionally with different businesses and that as well, because I think you're actually right. You think you, they might think they're being smart to try and, you know, sell the shit and they don't just cause they've worked really hard on this campaign or whatever, not realizing the context of actually you're potentially doing your brand a disservice to, to the entire ecosystem. And you're actually probably building up a bunch of resentment to, to you your, and your product. Cause you, it doesn't look like you have empathy or EQ whatsoever. 
I have no doubt. I've registered the three or four of my brain who've, who've, who've cluttered up my feeds with stuff that I, I don't want and I don't think anyone else does right now. You know, it's a, mm. um, you've got to assume they're a little bit, of, bit out of touch with reality right now or, or they mm. don't care. Who knows? You've been on the corporate side of things. Sometimes I think you know what the, the answer is. Uh, telepresence Bonanza. Zoom, zoom, zoom. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this earlier too. I think, um, as I said, uh, a lot of businesses are quickly learning just, just how good some of these platforms are. I mean, this one you've got here is pretty flash. I've been using Zoom, uh, Microsoft Teams, Google Hangouts. There's, um, you know, I'm assuming we've all had a crack on house party. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you know, that, that's all sort of telepresence in one sense, of, in a sense of word where you're virtually having meetings and sharing presentations and, and such like. So, so I think... Um, this will just, as, as we talked about earlier, this will accelerate um, some some new practices and ways of working that, that will have benefits. Um, so the opportunity there is to, is to increase the, those benefits um, by, by doing that um, more en masse. Yeah, um, I, I 100% back that because, you know, I've, I've said before, it feels like usually when I'm out of New Zealand, I feel like I'm a step behind because I'm not in the room. Um, and as soon as everyone went virtual, I, I was like, wait a second, it's an even playing field. Actually, maybe yeah, I've got so the advantage now. It's 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 my, so my mind sh shift in the last two weeks has actually gone well. Probably thinking about what's coming next. I was like, well, if these new systems and protocol and practices for business all of a sudden become a bit more virtual, maybe there isn't as much need. Maybe the omnipresence can continue. I don't know. Well, you think about it, you know the whole the word the boardroom. Yeah, you know, what is a boardroom now? Um, you know, a lot of the corporates you, you have a boardroom. Um, the whole thing now is do you really need one because the boardroom can be virtualized you just you need a meeting meeting place we've got we've got platforms like diligent where you can get all your board papers and they're updated and and, and, and such like and then you can have platforms like zoom and, and teams where you can meet um you know zoom integrates into my google calendar so it's all there you don't miss meetings you can set them up really easily there's just just the, the benefits are, are pretty obvious and the technology's pretty pretty good we passed the hype cycle i think in a lot of these and into into the mainstream no one's questioned whether the tech would be able to keep up with even better i mean if you were to say 10 years ago that you know billion dollar publicly listed companies would still be operating and on the stock exchange with no one in any of their offices you would be like what the fuck? piss off and actually no one through this whole thing i've never heard anyone be like oh there's no way we'll be able to meet it's like no no, no there's all these different options so in, in some respects it's actually probably amplified even you know further to where how new practices could potentially be for for business moving forward so it's actually kind of a cool thing right like it's yeah i mean look at, it, look at the board meetings you know that in my view they're just as good if not better clearly yeah. cheaper for the company because you don't have to um, in the longer term, have the boardroom itself. You're not having people supporting the meeting. You're not having the good old cups of tea and lunches brought in. That costs the, the long company. lunch after that. that well, those those, those, yeah, those went a long time ago, mate. Um, <laughs> sadly, I used to love those. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know that's all gone. You don't need the car parks for the board members anymore. Um, you don't need to pay for the travel if they're flying from another city. You just the, the benefits are. Um, I, I can't think of many downsides. You still need to get together um, as humans once in a while, but that 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 becomes um, the thing you do do less. That's that's sort of the mm. thing you do afterwards. So I, I, you can just see these benefits. And look, we've had outsourced call centers in the Philippines, and many many of the companies I've I've been in all around for years. So why can't you outsource the board meetings to you know 
remote places. And the, the beauty of this thing, one of the good things of COVID is it's taught us it's all quite possible, if not better. Yeah. Do you foresee, if, if you're a small business owner right now and you're getting pumped, stressed to shit, you haven't, didn't have a, a contingency plan for anything, you literally have to shut the doors and now you're, you're, you're stressing about absolutely everything, payroll, staff, strategy, stock, flipping, all the rest of it. What's the first thing you'd do? Well, my partner's one of them, so I know exactly what they do. So, uh, look, the, the first thing is about survival, right? So you've got to quickly, quickly, and it depends on how much your revenue disappears. For some businesses, it's all of it. Um, so you quickly got to look at your cost base uh, and your fundamental business structure around particularly your fixed costs, um, whether those are leases, um, you know, staff, um, what have you. So just look at those and work out what, you know, what, what you can quickly reduce. Um, but at the same time, thinking about the long term because you don't want to do regretful re reduction. So as I said before, you do a quick reset, you, you take the opportunity in that to reimagine your business model and align your reset with, um, you know, with how you're reimagining your business model and reinventing it. And, you know, this is painful, but also see where the opportunity lies because in the, many of these businesses, they are in that industry. They do understand their customers and their needs, and this has forced them to rethink their delivery model, mm. which gives them an opportunity to rethink their cost structure and all of the above. And um, certainly, you know, my partner's having a very good think about completely reimagining her business model um, through this period. And, and my brother's yeah, the hairdressing game like the services like barbers all sorts of stuff right like there was actually funny the um uh, puff daddy's son just put this this little like first world problem five minute video like oh my gosh i haven't been able to have a barber for my haircut they call them scruffy combs blah blah and you just sort of wonder like all these different like you know there's certain services which it's tricky right like you can't really virtualize a haircut i mean what can you what do you do like for certain type of things you know well, people with heads like yours and mine, we can because we just for once we're lucky. Um, but yeah, I mean, the people will turn up back for these services. So it's about what is your, <coughs> excuse me, what does your business look like when the, de when the demand turns up again and what are the opportunities um, you can take in the meantime to rethink your delivery model and, and reimagine that. So hmm. not saying it's easy, but um, you know, it's, it is an opportunity to rethink that and, and how you might want to deliver that and, and also look at where other um, opportunities turn up in adjacent models that are uh, adjacent to your current business model. Mm. Uh, Bernadette Jan says, what are your predictions on the entertainment industry? How will this look post-COVID-19? Cool. Uh, well, hmm. well, I'm guessing we're all watching Netflix and Lightbox and Amazon Prime at the moment um, with sport yeah. all off. It's interesting what it's doing. I mean, sport is what one I missed. That's been hit obviously very hard, um, and you certainly feel for uh, the sporting codes and people who have paid a lot for sporting content and now can't deliver it. Um, you know, you've certainly seen that in the share performance in some of those those companies. But uh, when we come out the other side, I mean, what's one of the first things you're going to do? You're going to go watch a game, right? Um, so I think uh, sporting entertainment will bounce back with a vigour. Um, maybe through this period, a lot of those sporting codes and content owners will think about their, their content model and what their products mm -hmm. are beyond just players on a field. Um, because, you know, this this is, if, if you had a one-dimensional model about um, selling your players through a game format and a physical game format and that's been cut, you know, this was an opportunity before this to 
have, you know, thinking about whether it's digital twins or, you know, the likes of the NBA, they're probably leaders in this, right? Um, thinking about diversifying your model beyond your core product. So um, I have to assume that it's going gonna, it's gonna to help companies like Netflix and, and that who, um, you know, episodic over-the-top delivery model uh, where, they, where they've got a lot of content in their libraries that they can just sell to a large audience, you know, with, with more people with more time sitting at home on the couch. Um, I don't know what's happened with gaming. I have to assume gaming's gone up. Blowing up. Yeah, so, and, and the likes of Twitch and, you know, Xbox and, and PlayStation and particularly the online ones where people can get into these, you know, uh, multiplayer um, scenarios because it's certainly happening. The gamification even of sports with the likes of Zwift and that has really taken off through this period. So I think entertainment, um, some some will suffer during the period clearly because their, their content or their products being taken away from them, but others will explode. And yet again, uh, I think the guys with the new business models will be the winners. Um, yeah. So that's sort of my view. I, I don't know if I answered the question very well, but, and then when we, when we, when we are allowed to go out again, you know, we'll get back to more physical entertainment. People will be gagging, I think, to go to a game or go to a movie yeah. or go to a circus. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's good course. Um, before we go, I wanted to talk about the potential book that you may, be, may or may not be making in the future. It's called Rod's Book, The Corporate Savage, or Cry Me uh, and River, or um, Never F and Ant. Um, and are there any of these um, like chapters that you'd potentially like to, to talk about? These are your ideas, mate. Not mine. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll give people context. Uh, me and Rod were having a few drinks, and he came up with some great chapter. I think you have to do it, and I'm, I kind of want to. So these are these are some of the the quick bullet points. I, almost there should be like little snippets that you just like demolish. Corporate cannibalism, small brains, small penis. <laughs> Why possums are smarter than marketers? <laughs> be nice to me. I'm Gen Y. Discuss trolling. Uh, Proxies, salespeople, HR, uh, <laughs> lawyers. It's so yeah. good. It's, yeah. This goes on. It's so epic. Drop me in it, eh? I'll, I'll no, it's amazing. I, I haven't well, said the well, gnarly ones. The next 30 years now. <laughs> I, want, I, I think you need to do it. There's so much, um, I guess, corporate, um, you know, you've, you've seen things at a young age through it you've gone you've gone through you've just seen stuff in a lot of at a whole lot higher level than i think most people the average you know the average person that's got rocking a nine to five you know probably hasn't been in boardrooms they haven't talked about strategy and mergers and acquisition and cost and all these other kind of crazy sort of things so um it's a public little public well, push a, that i think on, you a, need to on, a, on the serious note trying to dig myself out of a hole here yeah. um <laughs> You know, the, the concept of corporates and businesses is the interesting one and if you if you yeah. read a lot of the stuff out of um exponential and singularity and that the way the business models are changing you know whether you want to call it gig economy or um, exponential change and all of the they're all the same thing we've just got all of these new accelerating technologies emerging that are changing the way you can deliver a business model that are changing markets and 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 such like and and those sorts of environments the the businesses that i think it was david rose that says this any business that was designed for success in the 20th century is doomed to fail in the 21st because you know back in the in the in the 20th century, um, where a lot of us sort of grew up through businesses, we used to talk about things like privileged assets and scale and scope. So having large amounts of capital gave you a privileged position in the market. Well, these days that's not necessarily true because your business model gets attacked by asset-like players. You know, just look at Uber 
and Airbnb yep. and all these. And Wait, weightless threat, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're weightless and their content is created for them and they distribute content um, or other people's assets. Um, you know, it's the leveraged asset model or stuff on demand. There's so many different levers you can pull. So the whole concept of a company, I, I think, you know, which are hierarchically driven pyramids with very slow decision-making processes compared to the newer companies, um, comes into question, right? Because they just can't react fast enough. They have very um, heavy assets and expensive capital. They've got large fixed cost structures. Nice, yep. Yeah, so you get attacked by a variable cost player. You can't get your costs out fast enough. Um, you know, just if you look at Spark alone, you know, Spark Telecom, you know, we used to make all of our money back when I joined out of fixed line calling, you know, across the old copper telephone, which was a, you know, vertically integrated um, business. And that's where we made all our money. Well, that's a very jolly, to tell you, that's a very small part of Spark, as you know it today. And back then when we started mobile and internet, which was sort of funny things on the side back in the late 90s, I mean, Spark today is a mobile internet company, um, yeah. and, but does a bunch of other stuff. But um, you know, and we, if you look at our calling now, you can do that on WhatsApp, Facebook Messenger for nothing. Um, and we used to charge, you know, X dollars a minute for that 20 years ago. So I think this whole, you're going to see a lot of traditional companies at varying paces over different industries come under severe pressure because simply put, their business models are not fit for purpose anymore. Um, I guess you're seeing it a little bit with the airline industry. It's a bit tragic how it's happened, obviously, but you know those, those industries have struggled to make money for decades, and now they've had their, their demand turned off. But they've still got, yeah. you know, I'm guessing, trillions of dollars globally in assets. I don't know where they're sitting them all um, right now, but um, you know, so that's that's a perfect example of a model built for the last century. You know, have mm. lots of planes, have lots of planes, and outcompete your competitors on price. Well. The new guys are coming in not twenty percent below you; they're coming in fifty percent below you because they don't they don't have those assets. And um, that's you know it's a bit of sentiment in my chapters that you, you read out. But yeah, the game has changed. The game has changed at a corporate level, at a functional level, at a process level, at a platform level. Um, how that how that emerges is anyone's guess, but um, you, you just see these these so called unicorns now. We were, I think a lot of us were poo pooing them. Um, when they first came out, saying, "Well, they, they, let's see if they're here in two years," and they just keep growing and growing and growing. Um, yeah, you know, look at Amazon started as an online book company, then added a lot more SKUs, then they added B two B, and then they built Amazon Web Services back end to service their front end commerce platform, and then Amazon Web Services now is a huge, you know, virtualized cloud infrastructure business. It's just, um, you know, Google. You, you look at all these companies; very different companies from the ones that I grew up in, where we were all focused on physical assets. You know, software uh, is literally eating the world. And once you digitize a domain, you drive the marginal cost to zero, and then you get really deceptive growth. And yeah. and what that does is really disrupts the existing ecosystem or business model. Um, so once you software enable something, it, everything changes. Um, you know, it's a different game. Up. It's totally well, different game. Yeah, different game. It, it used to be the the I guess the the scarcity there was the cost of of the photo, the paper, and maybe it was a buck a photo. So we're all worried about not taking a bad photo. Yeah, these days the iPhone, you're just shooting stuff all over the place, right? Because the marginal cost of a photo is zero, and the the solution space has moved, or the problem space has moved from the cost of print to the the, the cost and time of finding the photo and storing the photo. Yeah, so. 
Uh, the marketplace used to be paper. The marketplace now is storage and filtering and probably using AI to uh, declutter your, your storage, take out all the bad photos. So Google Photos, yep. Exactly. So, you know, the, the, the interesting thing, when, when, when a domain gets digitized or software enabled, the, the problem space moves, but that opens up a new market. And that's um, probably how people should be thinking. So where are, where are practices or processes being digitized and where does the new problem emerge? Because that's the new market. Yeah, it's almost yeah. So if you if you had a billion dollar publicly listed, oh, shit, you there? I'm here. Where are you? Oh, can you hear me? I can hear you. Oh, my videos looks like my videos died. Okay, you're gonna get the solo treatment. It's all you, but my voice. So it's gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be weird, dude. Um, it's the best you've ever looked, mate. <laughs> well, my screen's all black, so it's uh, at least I'm on brand. So I'll make it two screen, then it makes you feel like I've got a friend. Here. <laughs> Um, if you had a billion dollar publicly listed company and yeah. you were talking about um, big hierarchical structure, slow to, 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 to make change and speed, how would you restructure that business for the new world of how business is, should be done? Well, it depends on what business it is and what, I guess, what industry they're operating in. But in, in a macro sense, I would be looking at ways I could have a more um, variableized uh, employment model through using you know, I call it stuff on demand. So, for, you know, there's platforms emerging all the time out there. So how could I, uh, particularly for a lot of my knowledge workers, um, access talent more flexibly, um, particularly in the new talent domains, you know, design, um, dev, you know, agile DevOps, um, data science, uh, all of those. I'd be looking um, at how I can leverage others' assets so I don't need to own them and have that capital um, tied up in my balance sheet. I would be looking at, um, how I can use community and crowd engagement models to build a stronger community that I can then um, use as a channel, um, and you know, whether that's through social or digital marketing or channel activation through competitions or engagement platforms or reputational scoring systems or all the such like. Um, thinking long and hard about how you use um, data and, and algorithms. I, I don't like the word big data, but you know how you just use some basic machine learning to look for patterns in, in your data and, and and understand what you can do with those in a more predictive sense for, you know, I know some telcos do this and next product to buy and, and churn prediction and, and doing very personalized product bundles based on um, behaviors using using data analysis. It's, and I don't think it's spooky. I think it's just being very consumer centric. And then on, in terms of running your business, whether you call it your internal control framework or operating model or what have you, it's really how do you use more? Um, let's call it digital interfaces across your supply chain to speed up decision-making and knowledge sharing with third parties as well. Um, how do you focus on, um, you know, the real key numbers to run a business? This whole concept of the five-year plan is dead. There's just, hey, he's back. There's just too much. Technology. There's just, it's awesome, eh? You're like a wizard. <laughs> You're a digital wizard. Um, there's, um, there's, you know, you think about in terms of that, there's, with so much change in the external environment, the concept of a five-year plan is, is completely redundant. So you sort of need a, a true north or whatever you want to call it, massive transformative purpose, a vision to understand where, where you want to go and then get going. And I think somebody, this mm. classic saying is purpose, Trump strategy and execution overrides planning. That's what it's about now, get a purpose and get going. You know, you still need a strategy at a macro level, but having these deep plans is, is somewhat pointless when the world's mm. so highly uncertain. And then um, experiment more. Um, you know, 
taking really big long-term bets now is very dangerous when a world that's moving so fast so lots of small bets and you know and in, in that process be very design-led you know uh, co-create with your customers validate 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 um, you know use agile which is simply more iterative um, build out using you know, MVPs and betas and 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 um, you know better use of data because one, one thing with all these new online platforms whether it's zero or HubSpot or any of those we've got much greater access to real-time data that helps you run your business um, more in real time and more surgically I think autonomy will be very key. Um, we talked about these hierarchical organizations. When the world's mm -hmm. going faster, you need to make decisions much quicker, and the data's there. So much flatter structures, much more autonomy. Um, Speed. Yeah, radical openness. You know, Steve, um, sorry, Jeff Bezos is, is one of the one of the big pushes, this, you know, share information um, and op open up innovation within the business. They have a process within Amazon where if, if you say no to a new idea, you have to write a two-page memo on why you said no. You know, it's the tyranny of no getting past that um, because, you know, as they say, beware the expert because people like me who have all this domain knowledge um, will, will see um, walls that are no longer there because the, the external world's changed faster than our um, experience has. So, you know, flatter structures are better than finally how do you use social platforms internally to support all of that. Um, you know, Slack's a great example, Zoom. You know, in, anything that can create a more horizontal, flatter organization structure that speeds decision making and helps you make decisions in favor of your customer and marketer and market faster. So those are mm. some of the things I would do, which, you know, long story short, you know. It's a lot though, yeah. <laughs> more flexible employment models, less assets on the books, more use of data, flatter structures, faster decision making, uh, more experimentation, um, uh, less long-term planning. Yep. Um, it's a good, good rant. Uh, the bro David just texts me. Uh, this chat with um, Rod is awesome. Agree with the changing nature of contractors versus permanent hiring and the candidates essentially renting out their skills to clients rather than a job for life. Quote. Yeah. Which, which yeah, I mean, sense. as I said, you know, you, you need you need talent to solve problems, and so you just need to bucket your problems up into buckets and apply talent to them. It doesn't necessarily mean you need full time employees. You may have. You know, X percent of full time. You may have a bunch of contractors. You may have people you you freelance in when you need them. I think the employment models in the future are going to be um, less home, homogeneous and, and um, you know much more variable. One last question before you leave. Um, Jith has probably had a quick shower. He's jumped back in without a video and he's asked some text. He said, we talk about environmental sustainability in many businesses today, carbon neutral, carbon zero, etc. Will COVID accelerate sustainable thinking or is that a pipe dream? I think it will accelerate it, um, just an opinion of mine, clearly. Um, I think carbon neutral is not enough. We need to be carbon negative um, probably going forward to clean up some of the mess. Uh, and I think this, I hope this will give people, um, um, you know, more time to think about sustainability and the importance of that um, relative to other things. So hmm. uh, in all senses of the word, you know, sustainability you know, at all levels so you know to answer just question is i would hope so and i think so but i, I look like i really don't know i'm not an expert in this area you need somebody who's a bit of a sustainability gun on this one which we'll have to find them in the mix um i really appreciate your yarns bro your um your time is valuable and your your, your brain is um acknowledged and very much appreciated just for some of the thinking of how people can um navigate through this thing uh, yeah, the, the reset reimagine piece is um 
is awesome, dude. It's it's really cool. Did you come up with that shit, or you stole it off Amazon or something? What did you, you, you? No, I was just thinking about it. I think heaps of people. I think heaps of people probably come up with the same words. I mean, it's pretty logical. Hey, and Robert, it's been a pleasure. Can I get an R hat since I'm a rod? Can I get? Oh one? fuck. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll tell you this. You but do your book. You do your. It, yeah, you can be the you can be the, the the big spoon. It's totally fine, Rod. But I'll give you a hat. If you release the book, including all of the names with all of the actual titles, and there are some gnarly ones, I think you might get sued before it even comes out. It's brilliant. It's no, I, I'm just thinking for 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 us young peasants who are just looking up at those who've come before us. This would just be a great um, educational um, journey through business. So I think you need to. Do it. I'll give you the hat if you release the book. I think I'll just buy a hat. <laughs> um is that you're at, you're in funga right is it the you're at the batch yeah i mean yeah first world problems really it's beautiful down here on that note i'll leave you to your um your solo bike biking with no friends and your think time as you do your, your little isolation and your the, the mega mansion on the beach live the dream my friend <laughs> thanks mate Peter, Peter. brother love your work bro Peter, All right, peace the bro captain savage the corporate pirate. I told you he was on some gnarly shit. I flipping told you. Uh, awesome. That's the last one for today. Big day. Big day. We have gone to town. Um, as I said, if you've been tuning into any of these, this is super simple for me. I, I'm, I'm thinking I'm like a cheerleader for New Zealand business. I just want Kiwis to win. I have this thing I've always said, you know, New Zealand wins when New Zealanders win. And in times like this, when it is flipping gnarly out there and people are never going through some pretty tough kind of batshit crazy times, whether it be personally or professionally, things like this matter, I feel. And it is very important for me that I flip and roll out the roller decks, stack up the brains and let them be able to share a bunch of insights with that. So even just that there with the whole idea of like a force reset, reimagining, um, everything is cool. Uh, Bear, Tim, and Andrew, appreciate it. Rye, um, who's all jumping in with comments, thanks so much. Um, I haven't actually done anything. I'm just literally talking shit with my my, my homies. Uh, Dale said, "What up? Great chat, Rebecca. Love your work, shot Dale." Um, so, so that's what's up. We've got we've got more coming. We've got plenty more weapons who are going to be um, in the mix. Uh, I'll just click there. Uh, plenty more weapons who are going to be in the mix uh, coming into the show in the, in, in, over the next couple of weeks. My goal with this is very simple. I'm going to just keep interviewing weapon after weapon after weapon, helping uh, share their thinking to, to all you all. So enjoy the day, team. Um, and even though I am halfway around the other side of the world right now, um, I still very feel very much at home helping my friends. So enjoy the day, team. I'll uh, see you soon. Whiskey finished. Day is finished. All right. Now I get to put my regular job in my 455 emails, which I haven't done because I've been talking shit all day on this thing. See you soon, team. Deuces.